Hey guys. Alright, I know what you're thinking. Wow. A new episode. It's only been, what, months? But it's been a pretty wild couple of months. I can always go back and look back on it in a different episode, but instead of wasting time and, you know, explaining why I've been gone, talking about all that crap, I figured I'd get right down and dirty into it. That's right. So for this episode, I wanted to talk about something I've been noticing a lot more lately, and that is the changing of public perception. Now, that sounds like really general and like really vague, right? Now, okay, listen, I want to get real specific for a moment. People's opinion changes so frequently, right? Like Katy Perry wrote a song about this, okay? And what I'm trying to understand is how it's affecting film and the film industry. Now, take, for instance, my biggest example, the one that I'm going to be talking about a lot in this episode, and that is Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man. Now, obviously, this movie came out years ago, right? I don't expect anyone to remember it that well, but here's the thing. Amazing Spider-Man actually came out 2012, right? Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man movie came out 2002. Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out 2014, just two years later. And if you look at the reviews for The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, you get a lot of mixed messages. Rotten Tomatoes scores The Amazing Spider-Man at a 71, with audiences rating it a 77, whereas The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is rated a whopping 51 by Rotten Tomatoes and a not-so-surprising 64 by audiences. And that was the way it was for so long. You could talk to people, and you could have a conversation about which Spider-Man was better, Tobey Maguire's or Andrew Garfield's. And they would either be like, oh, you know, I don't I don't really watch Spider-Man movies like that. I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. Or they'd be like, I was born in 1990-this, and Tobey Maguire's all the real Spider-Man for me. That type of stuff, right? Screw them. Or you have the people who are like, oh my gosh, I grew up on... Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, he's the coolest, obviously. Makes his own web shooters and everything, right? Yeah, okay, whatever, that's not what I'm asking. Then you have the people who are like, oh, you really have to analyze it by like looking at Peter Parker versus uh, Spider-Man, and then you also have to like talk about comic book accuracy. Again, just shut up. What? When I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this from a filmmakers slash film viewers perspective. When you think about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies, you think of great rewatchability, fantastic cast, 
really good soundtrack and just overall great appearances, great performances, etc., etc. Just good, great movies overall, right? Something we can agree on. Original Toy Spider Man was good, if not great. But then people would say that, or at least I would say, that the Amazing Spider Man movies just were not good. They weren't. I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. I I own the first Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man on DVD, and I rewatch that movie every now and then. Mostly for Andrew Garfield's performance, but that's like pretty much it. Like that movie doesn't have a lot going for it, and I'm sorry, but it just doesn't. The plot makes him the plot makes Spider-Man look way more like a vigilante than Batman in Batman Begins. Um let's see what else. Um I don't know. Uh, I could. I feel like I've talked about the Amazing Spider-Man and the Spider-Man movies before, so I don't want to spend too much time just going over that. But I really want to focus on how public's opinions have changed, right? Andrew Garfield is an amazing actor. He's done a lot of great work. He's been in, you know, um, Hacksaw Ridge, um, Tick Tick Boom recently, and of course The Social Network just to name a few of his other stuff that he's been in, right? He's an amazing actor. I think he's won any awards uh, for acting, as far as I know. Or did he? Did he get a Golden Globe for Best Actor? Huh, okay. So he did get a Golden Globe for uh, Tick Tick Boom. At least that's what I'm seeing right here. It could be wrong. Um, I'm just Googling stuff. but. What I'm trying to say is, Andrew Garfield's an amazing actor. So when people say that they love The Amazing Spider-Man, I'm assuming that they're talking about they're talking about Andrew Garfield, not really the movie itself. But now, with No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, people have begun to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man as if it was such the, if if it was this great amazing film, which is just wrong and dumb. Like, I get what Marvel was trying to do with bringing in the former villains of that movie. And I get why they were doing it, because they needed a bigger cast and such. But still, that doesn't make The Amazing Spider-Man 2 or The Amazing Spider-Man 1 great films. And I'm, I'm really trying to hammer this point home here, because it's it's something that I'm getting a lot of more and more in, like just social media, um, random conversations I'm having with uh, friends of mine and stuff, such stuff like that, right? You see this argument as well with like Star Wars people who say the prequels are good. Although that's a whole different beast of itself. Star Wars is just... Star Wars fans are upset with Star Wars fans just as much as Star Wars fans are upset with Star Wars movie creators. That's a whole different beast. I can talk about that in a different episode. But what I really want to focus on is the fact that if you had asked anybody, or at least the people I hung out with, if you had asked anybody what their opinions were of The Amazing Spider-Man or The Amazing Spider-Man 2 when those movies came out or a couple years after that, they would have said those movies are garbage. Those movies sucked. And let me just make sure we're getting accurate here. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out in 2014, right? 
MCU's Spider-Man came out in Civil War. Came out in 2016. Which means in between 2014 and 2016, Sony realized what they were doing. They realized that their Spider-Man was so bad that they needed to make money from it and Marvel had already had so many good movies. Um, doing um, a little bit more research in between. By 2014, we had already had one, two, three, four, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about ten movies that had established the MCU by 2014. In between then, Avengers Age of Ultron came out, Ant-Man came out, and then came Civil War. So that gave Marvel two movies to really establish a greater you know, universe. And that's when Sony had the idea to jump aboard the bandwagon. They wanted to make money, Marvel wanted to use Spider-Man. So they came together and blah, 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 you know all this already. But regardless, when Spider-Man No Way Home came out, people started talking about the older movies again. They started talking about how great Toby's movies were, how emotional they made them feel. And unsurprisingly, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, you know, was being talked about again. I think it was him saving um, um, MCU Spider-Man's MJ, which is what really sparked a lot of the conversations. They were like, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man deserves better justice, blah, 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 blah. He deserves a third movie, so-and-so, so-and-so. And then they started talking about how great those movies were. And I hate that. I really do. People started talking about The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 as if they were great movies. And I'm like circling this point because I want to make sure that you guys understand what I'm talking about when I go to my next example. Um, but yeah, so like... You guys see where I'm going with this, right? Like, public perception had changed because of a, of a different thing that made this thing look in a better light or a worse light. In the example of Spider-Man, crappy, um, crappy movies were made to look better by a not-so-crappy movie. I'm not saying No Way Home was not-so-crappy. I, I enjoyed it, but... You know, if you look back on it without the nostalgia, it's not as good. Like, if you rewatch Spider-Man No Way Home, which I did, I've, I've watched it twice. The first time, it caught me so off guard, I was so emotional, I cried in theaters. It was great. Then you watch it a second time, and it's like, the nostalgia has kind of worn off because you know you're expecting it. Um, you know, you're expecting the team up, whatever, and you watch it without the nostalgia attached because you know that it's coming and you know what you're looking for and it's it's a bit of a less like i don't know if that's all movies that they just get less good with rewatchability but i wouldn't say that because there's a lot of movies that get better from rewatching them and again i'm going to talk about this with a different example that i'm going to use later um but yeah so what spider-man no way home did was it took the amazing spider-man movies one and two 
and put them in a better light because of a great movie. But this next example that I'm going to talk about is doing the opposite. It's taking this great movie, at least in my opinion, this great movie, and it's putting it in an even better light because people had perceived it as a bad movie. And it's using this more recent terrible thing to blast this up into the spotlight. And so, yeah, rather than keep you guys in the dark waiting, uh, the next example I'm going to jump to is 2008 The Incredible Hulk starring, starring Edward Norton versus She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Now, uh, disclaimer, I have no idea what She-Hulk Attorney at Law is. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I don't have a Disney Plus account at the moment, so I, I'm not watching um, I don't know. Uh, I could talk to it. I could talk about it from an MCU nerd perspective, like how at the post-credit scene of Shang Chi, we see that Bruce Banner is Bruce Banner and not Professor Hulk, slash the combination Banner Hulk that we see in Endgame. Whereas in the trailer for She-Hulk: Attorney at Law, uh, we get Banner Hulk, like Professor Hulk, this combination of the two. So. Uh, you know, I could talk about it like that, but like I'm saying, I haven't seen the show yet, so I can't really judge it. But I have seen like bits and pieces of it from the internet. So everyone is talking about Shiok Attorney Law and how it's a terrible, terrible show. People hate it because it's pushing feminism down their throats or whatever. At least that's what I'm picking up. Um. I just looked at the Rotten Tomato score and it's saying it's 87 with an audience score of 50. But there's no review from Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm gonna go out of Rotten Tomatoes and IMDB gave it a 5.1 out of 10. Does it have a review? It does not have a review. I think what's happening is that they're too scared of offending feminists. I, I don't know. I, don't, I could be blowing this out of proportion. I could be targeting myself accidentally, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? Like, there's reviews for The Amazing Spider-Man The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I bet if I look up The Incredible Hulk 2008, I would get a review. Incredible Hulk 2008 has a review of 67 by Rotten Tomatoes, and it has... A review. There it is. Critics' consensus. The Incredible Hulk may not be the smashing success that fans of Marvel raging behemoth might hope for, but it offers more than enough big green action to make up for its occasionally puny narrative. So you see, there is a review for it. There's a review for lots of movies, but somehow there's not a review for She-Hulk Attorney at Law, which is, I don't know, this supposedly amazing show, because Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 87, but... IMDb gives it a 5.1 and reviews on Google are putting it at an average of 2.3 from 8,000 reviews. So what's going on here? And like I'm saying, I can't put my own opinion on She-Hulk because I of course haven't seen it, but something that I saw popping up while I was watching, you know, bits and pieces of it on the internet on through social media through stuff like iPhone, TikTok, 
uh, um, Instagram, stuff like that. You know, you're seeing memes about She-Hulk. You're seeing the meme videos, the reviews, the the reactions to stuff, and it's kind of shoving it in your face that the She-Hulk Attorneys at Law show is like pushing this aggressively. Or I think someone summed it up really well. It's like they're taking a male hero making that male hero a female to push feminist views instead of creating or using a female hero and creating a better narrative to flow the hero through to make their story more believable instead they're just shoving a female into a male's part to make to you know brush their own political propaganda and it messes with the flow of the story and again i'm not like I'm not trying to diss on feminism. We can save that for a completely different episode. But what I'm trying to say is that I I can see where they're coming from because what from the pieces of the scene, I mean, they, there's literally a scene where She-Hulk is twerking, apparently. It's like one of the first things that you see when you look it up on Google. It says, movie web, BTS video reveals Tatiana Mansley's motion capture She-Hulk twerking moves. And then it's like three out of four of the top stories. Behind the scenes of She-Hulk, Megan Thee Stallion twerking scene. Tatiana Mzlani twerking behind the scenes of She-Hulk is a delight. What? I, I just don't, I don't get what's happening here. I don't understand. If people are enjoying this, cool. If they're not, why is it so... Okay, um, so the show's not even done with. There's only three episodes of the show so far. So I might try and watch it. I might do a follow-up when the show finishes finishes, and I get to, you know, see it or something like that. But, you know, obviously this show is so bad because what I'm seeing is now people are reposting stuff about the Incredible Hulk movie that came out in 2008 that people, when I talked to them about it, said that they didn't like this movie. They said the movie was just garbage. It was, like, not worth a watch. But... Again, I have this movie on DVD, and I loved it. It wasn't obviously all there, but there's so much that I enjoy about this movie that I could spend a whole episode just talking about it. Like, I could spend a whole 40 to 50 minutes talking about this amazing movie. But again, this is just my opinion. You know, I'm I'm just a guy in America talking about movies, right? I will give you some examples of why I like this movie. First and foremost, the score of this movie is fantastic. This movie really tugs at your heart with the music. Not even that, it just puts you in the scene of the movie. Like from the very first scene, um, I, I literally have this uh, original soundtrack on, um, I have this, uh, soundtrack on my Spotify because it's just so good and it's sad because I'm looking it up and what I'm seeing is Fast and Furious and Bad Boys because what I looked up is favela chase scene because um, on Spotify the name of the track is called uh, favela chase I believe it's called just double check that while I look up on Google. A village chase scene, incredible Hulk. You see a lot more. It says Favela Escape, the Incredible Hulk, Favela Escape, Incredible Hulk. Okay, so it's called Escape, not Chase. That's probably my mistake. So if I take away Incredible Hulk and I 
replace Chase with Escape. There he is, Incredible Hulk. Okay, so that's more of my mistake, but it's just it's just a great scene. Like if you don't know what I'm talking about, go on to YouTube, look up Favela Escape, The Incredible Hulk. You'll get it right there. It's like a three to four minute scene. It's just the music is great. Edward Norton's performance of Bruce Banner as this agile, kind of like on the run Bruce Banner. Because I mean that's what this movie was about. This people don't remember what this movie is about. It's about Bruce Banner being on the run, struggling with the Hulk. And we're kind of put in this position where as the audience, we're uh, empathetic with Bruce dealing with Hulk. You know, we want him to get rid of it because it's just such a detriment on his life, on his social life, on his just life in general. He's not allowed to you know, go out in public because he's on the run. He's not allowed to have romantic attachments because, again, he's on the run. There's a scene in the movie where he's trying to, you know, have some, you know, sexy time, but he can't do it because if his heart rate goes to, if his heart rate goes to like 200 uh, BPM, then he's just screwed and he changes the whole. So he can't do a lot and it's terrible and it sucks. But, you know, like we're put in this position where we empathize with Bruce's character because we want him to get rid of the Hulk. But we're also empathizing with the Hulk's character who is just like this, you know, thing, this entity who just wants to be left alone. But, you know, them being on the run kind of complicates everything. And in this one scene, the favela escape scene from Incredible Hulk, if you watch it, it is so good. The, the camera work is amazing. The music works well. It, it's the first scene that you get. You're introduced to Bruce's character. You're introduced to how he's living on the run. You're introduced to Ross's character, the military official who is chasing him. And, you know, you're focusing more. And then, like, the two, like, Ross's character gets a lead. So he, like, immediately sends everything he has to get Bruce and that's when the escape happens and it's so good and it works so well and I love it because this movie shows you a part of Bruce Banner that you don't see a lot in the newer MCU films it shows you a more on the run Bruce Banner it shows you how actually talented he is when he's not working with state-of-the-art official gear you know he's on the run so he's working with like stuff that he stole or put together himself or bought after like months and months of working it's just it shows you this part of bruce banner and the hulk even that you know is so technologically savvy who's so like just you know ingenious even just because like of how much he's able to do while being on the run versus like I hate that I'm thinking about this, but like in Endgame, where you just see Professor Hulk, who's just like messing around with time travel. He's just like half acidly working on like state of the art tech in the Avengers facility. And he's just like, yeah, time travel. What? I'm not the biggest fan of Endgame. I'm sorry. A lot of people are going to hate me for that. I prefer Infinity War to Endgame. You can hate me. We can talk about it in a different episode. Whatever. But it's just the movie itself I love. There's so many good scenes. The action scenes are 
die for. They're so good, dude. Um, but yes, so like, but when I talked to people about this movie in my early years, in like early 2010, early 2012, people just talked about this movie like it sucked, like it was nothing to care about. And like, I feel like that's on part of MCU, or not even just MCU, just like maybe the director's vision wasn't what the audience wanted, and that's not really anybody's fault. You know,、um, just like you know, movies can be good, but they can't really like focus on what the audience wants. And you know, that's just it. Just happens. You know, movies can be good; they can be bad. It can depend on what the audience wants or doesn't want or doesn't expect. Like,、um, take for instance、uh, the Last Airbender by M Night Shyamalan. He knew what the people was expecting, and he made a movie that he thought was good, but it was bad. People hated it because they expected something so much better. But yeah,、um, sorry. <sighs> Sorry about that.、Um, yeah. So when I talked to people about this movie, it was just so radically different from what I was expecting to hear. They were just like, "Yeah, this movie sucks. It's not worth it." The action was okay, but that's about it. It's just like what? But then, like, the Avengers came out, and they recast、uh, Hulk. And they gave him different stuff to do, and his character was completely different. I'm sorry, I don't know if it's just the interpretation that Marvel wanted to go with slash Disney, but the interpretation of Bruce Banner's character from The Incredible Hulk to Avengers just drastically changed. But not not that much, not that much. I'll admit, he's still on the run, and he's still trying to help people. Those were two things that you saw. In the Incredible Hulk, is that he wanted to help people, and that he also was on the run. But I think after the Incredible Hulk, once Bruce realized that、uh, the Hulk couldn't be cured, that he just started to accept it and live with it, and that he was just going to continue being on the run, avoiding as many incidents as possible. Although it's kind of teased at the end of the Incredible Hulk that. Bruce does have control over when the Hulk can be released. Like, if you remember what I'm talking about, at the end of the Incredible Hulk, there's the scene where Edward Norton is meditating. He purposely accelerates his heartbeat to where the Hulk comes out, or at least that's what it looks like, right? Because he like opens his eyes and his eyes are green, like he's about to transform, but then it cuts to black. Which I appreciate because in Avengers,、um, you know, obviously,、uh, if Bruce gets upset or like injured, it's like automatic. The Hulk wants to come out. But then at the end of it,、uh, or towards the end of it, where there's the big battle of New York, Bruce shows up like on this little moped, and Captain America's like, "We need you to get angry." But then Bruce is just like super chill. He's calm about it. He's like, "That's my secret. I'm always angry." Bam! Hulk comes out, punches the shit out of a freaking—I don't even know what it was. But yeah. So the point of all this is to say, I've been seeing more of the Incredible Hulk on my social media feed in like the past month—not the past month, maybe the past week. And a half, past two weeks, 
because of how awfully She-Hulk is being received than I did when The Incredible Hulk actually had come out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just there. And people are appreciating it more. People are enjoying it more than they did when it had actually came out. People are starting to defend it more. And this is where I'm starting to get confused. Because I'm wondering, does something have to happen for public perceptions to be changed of bad or good stuff? Socially accepted good or bad stuff. And that's the kicker right there, is if it's socially accepted as bad, then people will not say it's good out of fear of being, you know, called out on. Like, if you are a Star Wars fan and you enjoy the prequels, people are going to be like, well, that's dumb. You know, nobody likes the prequels. But, you know, people who do enjoy the prequels, like, really, really enjoy them we'll just do it and say they do and not care perhaps this is a bad example but i think you guys understand what i'm trying to say so what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a short break and then when i get back i'm going to talk about um how rewatchability does not always necessarily have to mean negative effects all right so i'm gonna take a quick break get some water myself something to drink and I've had a little bit of time to just think you know really get my head where it needs to be for the remainder of this episode it's not gonna be that long I don't want to spend too much time uh, boggling you guys down with this Uh, excuse me so um like I said I kind of want to focus more on rewatchability for this part of the episode um and so to talk about that, I'm going to use this example because um, I have recently rewatched The Incredible Hulk. I watched it about two, three nights ago, and I loved it. I, st- I still love it. It's still a really good movie. Um, I will always enjoy it, um, but it's beside the point. Um, another movie that I recently watched, well, first, I want to say that I first saw this movie roughly a year or two after it came out let me double check when it came out oh, 2013 so yeah roughly a year or two after it came out and i rewatched this movie last night and god this movie is intense and so you guys know what i'm talking about i'm talking about the movie prisoners starring hugh jackman jake gyllenhaal and paul dano and if you've never seen this movie spoiler warning straight off the bat this movie has one of the sickest endings i've ever seen it's so drastic and it's so freaking good god it's like oh i love it it's so good i love that movie it the ending pisses me off because of how good it is like that's that's all i'm gonna say about it um so yes spoiler warning if you haven't seen prisoners please go out there rent it check to see if it's on any of your platforms watch it it's so good it deserves your time okay now if you have seen it or if you don't care about movies being spoiled to you and you're here i just wanted to say that 
wow um that <laughs> that ending right okay um this movie when i watched it the first time i was only about 13 years old okay i was not that you know smart i wasn't that good at interpreting film and paying attention to little details like i am today so when i watched this movie last night in the middle of the night i was drained from work i was exhausted and i needed a pick me up and i bought this movie recently on blu-ray at i think like at a dollar store for like eight bucks and i bought this movie and i was like you know what i haven't been able to watch it since i bought it so i'm gonna take some time i made some popcorn i sat in my room i took everything with me i just said you know what i'm gonna take my time i'm gonna enjoy this movie because i haven't seen it in forever so that's what i did and for a two and a half hour movie this movie was great it was a bit long i didn't like that it was a bit long for you know what i was saying but this movie was so good and the ending just oh my towards like the last quarter of the film where everything starts tying together you know you start to understand the mystery is being unraveled and you know it's coming to a close that it just works so well this movie is so good at keeping you in the dark right but here's what i want to say so when i watched this movie as like a teenager when i first watched it i was so i was like damn this is a good movie but i wasn't understanding anything you know i didn't understand that the woman who kidnaps the kids at the beginning of the movie i didn't understand that her husband was actually the one in the basement of the father you know um by father i mean like actual father you know what i'm talking about if you've seen the movie but it's just it's so insane to me that this movie is not talked about more this movie for being 2013 it's just oh, it's so good i loved it it's just ugh. it gives me chills is what i love about it is that it keeps me in the dark it keeps you so tensed up and i know there's like memes about how people love it when male actors just spend time yelling at people if that's true like if that's like rooted in some kind of sociology or psychology and that's true then this movie does everything about that you get Hugh Jackman yelling a lot. You get Jake Gyllenhaal yelling a lot. And you get Paul Dano kind of screaming. Um, I mean, gosh, Paul Dano does not get enough credit as an actor. Um, he really had to go above and beyond for this movie. Um, but I'm straying way off topic because I'm trying to talk about rewatchability. And when I watched this movie as a kid, when I was younger, almost like freaking 2014 2015 about uh what's math about seven or eight years ago right i didn't understand what i was watching i mean i understood it well enough to where i got the plot and i got the ending but i didn't like understand what i was watching i just watched it and absorbed it and i was like damn this movie is so good i love it and that's what i'm trying to say is that Rewatching movies, movies that have good rewatchability, is critical for being a good movie. You cannot be a great movie if you have zero rewatchability. 
I make this argument whenever I talk to people about the movie The Joker. Like, The Joker is a good movie. That Don't get me wrong. But it has really bad rewatchability. Not because of Joaquin Phoenix's performance. His performance sells the whole movie. It's because a major plot point of the film is that you don't know if what's going on is actually happening or in uh, Joker's mind. But that's explained to you at like, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes before the movie's over. So when you rewatch it, you just know that oh, this shit doesn't matter because it's fake. It's not real. The only thing that's left to you, the viewer, to like understand is whether the movie or not the movie actually happened or not and like that's what the ending was about like did this movie actually happen or has he just been in a mental facility this whole time is he in a mental facility because of the events that happened in the movie who knows no we don't know the director left it ambiguous for a reason but what i'm trying to say is that movies like that have a low rewatchability value whereas movies like uh, I don't know, Thor Ragnarok, for instance. I'm using an MCU film. I don't like using MCU films. Um, you know, but just, you know, for the sake of the argument, yeah. Uh, th- uh, Thor Ragnarok, or something uh, that you watched when you were a kid, like the Polar Express. Movies like that have amazing rewatchability value, and that shoots my opinion of the movie up so high. Because if I watch a movie and I really enjoyed it, I'm like, wow, that movie was great. I'm the kind of person that's like, wow, that movie was great. I wonder, you know, if when I watch it again, I'll think the same thing. Obviously, I wouldn't watch it like a week later, but like maybe a year or two down the road. Like, you know, when I'm feeling like, ugh, I just need something good to watch. Uh, maybe that movie that I saw last year was real. That movie that I loved, it was really good. Maybe if I rewatch it again, I'll like feel exactly the same way, and that's exactly what I need right now. Movies like that, they, they have great rewatchability to the point where it's like a comfort movie. To a, it's the point where you can watch this movie and it's good, and you enjoy it, and you love it. Versus movies that have terrible rewatchability. Movies that their scores in my book are brought down because watching them again doesn't do anything for the viewer now some directors don't um take rewatchability to heart they don't go like oh i want to make this movie specifically for people to watch it again and again and again and that's fine you know i'm not expecting movie directors to think like that that's like something solely i think i don't think a lot of people would agree with my point of view on this and that's fine you know i'm not like i'm not out here to change people's minds um i'm just saying that for me what really gets me going about a good movie is whether or not i can watch it again down the road and this is something that i'm thinking about when i think about people's perceptions of movies changing as time goes on does the amazing spider-man and the amazing spider-man 2 have good rewatch about rewatchability value if i was going to answer that i'd say the first one does the second one way less so and here's why because the first one i own on dvd the second one i do not i've had the opportunity to buy it i didn't why because i didn't enjoy the movie i've seen the amazing spider-man 2 about twice if given the chance i would watch it again now just to experience what it's like knowing you know what's happened with the spider-man 
franchise or whatever. But like, you know, like when I watched that movie, I didn't think this has good rewatchability. I was like, this movie kind of sucked. Not gonna lie. The only part I only enjoy about that movie in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is like the first five minutes that Spider-Man, not even first five minutes, like the first two minutes that Spider-Man is on screen. You get Hans Zimmer and the Magnificent Six to compose a brilliant score. I'm Spider-Man. Plays in the background. And you get like a... You get this amazing special effects scene. I don't know if it's CGI, practical effects, whatever it is. It's a great scene where Spider-Man is just swinging through the city. He's got a new suit. It looks great. It's, oh, it's just a great opening shot. I don't remember if that's how the movie actually opens or if it opens up with the crap about his parents. I don't care. That movie sucked. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that movie really sucked. So I don't really care if, you know, if it... What I'm saying is I wouldn't mind rewatching it right now, current day and age, to understand more about it, to see if I could rewatch it and learn something different. So does The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 have good rewatchability? I would say the first one, yes. The second one, not as much. Whereas The Incredible Hulk, in terms of rewatchability, yes, good rewatchability. You can watch it, you know, now and again, and you're like, wow, that was a good movie. I love the action. Good chase scenes, good music, good movie overall. Again, like, not everyone thinks this way. Not everyone thinks in the way that I do, and I understand that. And that's part of why I like do this is so that I can get my thoughts out there for people to, you know, put their own opinions on, see if anybody else thinks this way, kind of. And But I'm just wondering, is like, is the fact that these movies had decent enough rewatchability part of the reason why now that when the franchises take them and make them be viewed in a different light, does that have something to do with why they're being viewed? differently now and i don't know i i I wish i could talk or like take like i could could do a physical experiment on just how people think about movies and why enough people aren't caring about the film industry like the film industry is insanely ridiculous you look up the film industry it's just it's like i feel like it's a billion dollar part of everything like part of life like you i don't know you can't just go somewhere and not know what a movie is right you could go into like the middle east and they have their own movies you can go to china they have their own movies you can go to brazil they have their own movies you can probably go to iceland and they have their own movies or shows at least and that's what the film industry does it takes stories and it puts them on a screen since most of our world now is put up on a screen, I feel like this is an important part of our life to analyze. But yeah, um, I guess that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about today. Um, you know, given the fact that, you know, I don't have a lot of time to talk to you guys, and it's been a really long time, and I guess I'm not used to talking <laughs> this much. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you guys um, for listening to this episode. 
I don't know when the next one will come out. And like I said, if you guys want to hear me talk about my experiences this summer, which were vast and ever-changing, just so you guys know, I was working at a summer camp. I was a camp counselor. That's why I was... That's why I couldn't um, record episodes. I only had Saturdays off sometimes. If I didn't have Saturdays off, I would just have Friday afternoon off or Saturday afternoon off. And like I was in charge of kids and I couldn't leave kids alone and I couldn't be on my electronic device to record a podcast episode. But yeah, so that's what I was doing. And then when I finished doing that, I moved. I moved, I got my own apartment, that was stressful, and then I had to start college back up again, so, you know, that's just been happening, so a lot's been happening, and then I got my job back here in College City, and it's, it's okay, you know, it's not bad, it's just a lot of effort and a lot of time, because I have to make rent, so I have to work a lot of hours, and the housing economy isn't doing so well, uh, but it is what it is. I just want to let you guys know that, you know, there's been a lot happening. And if you guys want, like, a more detailed thing, you guys can always leave a comment on one of the Instagram posts. Um, yes, in case you didn't know, uh, It's My TV Show does have an Instagram account. You can always check it out. Um, what else? Um, yeah, that's honestly about it. I will my best to record a new episode soon i don't know what about yet i might do something about she hulk when it finishes or i know this other thing that's been gaining a lot of attention recently i might try and do my research for that but um yeah thank you guys you guys have been awesome so i hope you have a great labor day is that what today is today is labor day correct and hope you guys have a good rest of your week all right cool bye guys